Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. This is On the Block with Strick and Austin brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. We turn our attention now to our VIP line brought to you by Aloe Fiber, where they understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart. Welcome in Evan Bland of the Omaha World. Harold, Evan, have you managed to stay unfrozen or if you got frozen, have you thought out yet? You know, it, uh, <laughs> you test the water heater, I think, on <laughs> a week like this where, uh, yeah, you probably take an extra hot shower or two. But, yeah, hang, hanging in there, man. It's, uh, what, it's a balmy, like, 10 degrees today, so it's all good. I'm seeing even up to 24. So that's, like, legitimate mindset. Like, yeah, that sounds good, too. Way. Hey, it's 50. Let's call it 50. Oh, I like that's it. sure as heck what it feels like. Um, Speaking of 50... <laughs> That is about the number of points Nebraska football scored in its last three games to help rectify that problem. They bring in Glenn Thomas, who was coaching the Steelers um, as recently as Monday, um, but Nebraska hired him away from there after the the Steelers lost to the Bills. Evan, first of all, how long do you think the name Glenn Taylor uh, or Glenn Glenn Thomas rather was in the works for Nebraska? And what do you make of his journey to Lincoln? Well, I think it's probably been out there for a while. I mean, we've, talked about it on this show i'm pretty sure over the course of the last month and some of that's just because of his connections with rule and you know again matt rule's been open during the season about the fact that his original vision for the staff when he assembled it a year ago was that marcus satterfield would call plays as the offensive coordinator and that they would have a different quarterbacks coach and that didn't work out and they made some moves with tight end and then bob wager resigned in the fall and Josh Martin filled in. So a lot of the staff configuration didn't go exactly as they originally planned, but I think it was always sort of in their minds to dedicate somebody specifically to work with quarterbacks. And Glenn Thomas is certainly, uh, you know, that guy for Matt rule. He, he joined up with him at temple for the end of the PJ Walker era. And then was with him throughout his time at Baylor and worked with Charlie Brewer to some solid success. And so, uh, that's one thing we've seen a lot of with Matt Rule assembling his staff is that he he likes his guys, guys that he's worked with before that he's familiar with. Not always, but oftentimes. And so, uh, you know, Glenn Thomas is somebody who's uh, got a track record of, of uh, you know, helping quarterbacks like Matt Ryan in the NFL. And uh, he's coordinated offenses, too. And, and I think the other interesting thing about Thomas, uh, as it relates to Nebraska, is you don't expect there to be too much of a learning curve because Matt Rule, Thomas, and Marcus Satterfield all worked together for two years uh, at Baylor, figuring things out offensively, and that went pretty well. So, you know, I, oftentimes when you bring in a new staffer, there's more of an onboarding process to this thing, and it really seems like they can hit the ground running as they start to work with Dylan Rayola and Daniel Kalin and Heinrich Harburg this season. Another name that had been thrown out there for that position was Dana Holgerson. I know there have been some reports that Nebraska is still talking to him, but Holgerson, I think, would have come in and been at least you no know, co-offensive coordinator along with Marcus Satterfield. But Glenn Thomas is dedicated to quarterbacks. Now, obviously, he will you know have the ear of the coaches for game plans and be kind of that that liaison between quarterback, coach, and, and coordinator uh, for whoever it is that starts at quarterback for Nebraska. But do you think that this year will be maybe a truer evaluation of Marcus Satterfield as a play caller, given the stability he has in what role he's coaching and probably, you know, less turnover and more of a quarterback he's, he's suited to work with than last year when it seemed like they were kind of piecing it together? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that's fair. Um, that's not to say that there weren't moments last season when there were uh, play calls made late that maybe left you scratching your head a little bit or at least open to second guessing. I think that's fair and part of it, but certainly, uh, you know, the, the players that they have or they had last season uh, either weren't able to execute what they had or they just weren't, um, you know, weren't uh, gifted in, in, in the way that they wanted to go with it. Like you didn't uh, imagine when Marcus Satterfield came in that Nebraska would needing to be, uh, would need to be running uh, option pitch plays the way that they did. And they adjusted and, and you got to credit them for trying to win games in the moment, but like contrast that with the defense where you have a really strong sense of what Tony white was trying to do. And you have a, a really strong sense of how that defense is going to take a step forward next season. Um, that wasn't the case on the offensive side. And some of that was quarterback play in general with the 25 giveaways that they were directly responsible for. Um, and so it's hard to, to put a, 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 you know, a letter grade on what the offense did because of factors like that. And so, uh, now you have a situation where you have a guy like Raiola who can come in, who's even though he's a freshman, uh, looks like he can make all the throws or a lot of the throws that you want. Uh, you have somebody else now dedicated to the quarterback spot. So if you're Satterfield uh, on game days, you can worry about calling the plays and communicating with the offense and not needing necessarily to dial in specifically with the quarterbacks. So, yeah, I think the support structure is set up now in such a way that uh, you can have a better feel for um, evaluating what this offense can be. And I think it's better for Satterfield. And I think it's better for, uh, you know, the players and the rest of the staff as well. Um, Evan, I was reading your write-up on Omaha.com. I'd like to direct people there um, for sure too. But um, one of the things you mentioned about Glenn Thomas was that he was less about, you know, this is what a quarterback looks like and more about adapting to the personnel. And I think that's going to serve him well at Nebraska, right? If you look at Riola, pocket passer type, Daniel Kalen, probably that way, but the, I don't say the other guy, the third guy in that room, the guy that was responsible, you know, at least partly for Nebraska's five wins last year, starting quarterback was Heinrich Harbert, who isn't at all like either of those guys, right? Maybe similar arm strength, but different in terms of a passer versus a runner. I've, I've been on the train of Nebraska wants probably more of a pocket style quarterback for what Satterfield and rule want to do. But with Glenn Thomas at, at quarterbacks coach, I think it's fair to say that Nebraska can go any direction and trust Glenn Thomas will, will work with that quarterback to try to get the best out of them, regardless of their, their skill set coming out of high school, right? Yeah, I think so. And and quite honestly, that's a contrast with uh, the name that you mentioned earlier, Dina Holgerson, coming out of that Mike Leach tree, where it's like that that's the system, more mm -hmm. or less. That's what they would, they would run uh, under him uh, if he had his others but yeah i mean it was interesting going back I, I went back and listened to glenn thomas's interview before he uh started with arizona state he was the offensive coordinator there a couple seasons ago and he was asked about his offensive philosophy and he kind of laid it out you know he said uh, a lot of pro style in in the nfl when he was with the falcons uh saw some different things at the college level certainly uh, with what Baylor ran and, and, and other places that he was at. And so he's like, yeah, you know, I've, I've kind of been with different kinds of quarterbacks, been in different kinds of offenses. And he's, he just said, you know, I feel comfortable adjusting to what we have and you kind of figure that out and then you go from there. And so I think that applies pretty well to what Nebraska has to your point about Heinrich Harburg um, and just the kind of offense that you would run with his skill set versus the kind of offense you would run with, 
Dylan Rayola or possibly Daniel Kalin's skill set. Um, those are different things. And so the Harburg situation will be fascinating, I think, moving forward because he is the resident veteran in the room after starting eight games last year. Uh, you know, the staff already has showed an indication or a willingness to uh, be creative with how they use him, given that he did catch a pass in that season opener at Minnesota. Um, but at the same time, he's a guy who really only has like one year being developed as a quarterback. Um, he, he really wasn't in those conversations a couple of years ago. So uh, I, you would think that'd be a situation where you'd continue to see what he can offer in the spring. And then, um, you know, Matt Rule and, and company have already made it pretty clear that they're willing to tinker, um, move guys around positionally, out of season, in season, and quite oftentimes uh, to some success. So we'll see how that goes. But you would think certainly uh, the spring would be an opportunity for Glenn Thomas in Nebraska to see what they have in this group of quarterbacks. We're talking with Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald here on our uh, Allo VIP line. Let's let's go out west to Hawaii. The Polynesian Bowl in Nebraska has three players out there, Carter Nelson, Preston Taumua, and of course Dylan Raiola, who has been making some social media splashes with his, you know, 70, 72 yard throw that won the long toss competition. Evan obviously hasn't played a, a snap at Nebraska, but Based off of that video, I think it's fair to ask this question. Dylan Raiola seems to have the best arm of any Nebraska quarterback since who? Boy. Um, well, I mean, it's been a while. Um, you know, he'll, he'll have the, it seems like the accuracy to go with that and the quick release and, and all the rest. Um, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. You, you probably do have to go pretty far back and, you know, I, I remember watching Jamal Lord back in the day, and the old joke was like the only one who could overthrow a, a dictator was Jamal Lord because he would, <laughs> you know, overthrow on some of these bombs um, back in the early 2000s. So that's the one that just kind of comes to mind for me. But I don't know uh, if he could go 70 yards the way that um, the way that Dylan Raiola can. So Tommy just, Armstrong, you know, maybe. Maybe, yeah, maybe Tommy Armstrong. That that could be. That's possible. Um, and if you're a Nebraska receiver, are you not salivating a little bit at that right now and, mm -hmm. and making sure your hamstrings are loose and not, uh, you know, letting up at the end of your route, knowing that your quarterback could maybe get that thing 70 yards downfield and, and maybe more than that, if the wind's howling in the right direction for you at Memorial stadium. So, uh, it just, I, I think it was just a reminder overall that like the guy who, who, who's your potential starter next year does have a different skill set than what we've seen at Nebraska in a while. And he's not going to be a guy, I don't think, who's going to be asked to scramble or or move much with his legs, even though I think he's capable of that. Um, you know, you're going to see a lot of different sort of things coming from him because of these abilities. So, uh, you know, the, the the jokes about Nebraska winning the offseason and, and the rule aid and all that um, it doesn't go away when you see a throw like that uh, that Rayola made out in Hawaii. But Pretty cool deal. And just a reminder again of, uh, you know, just the upside that he brings to Lincoln here pretty soon. I think, yeah, Malachi Coleman, Isaiah Nayor, Jalen Lloyd, all those guys are certainly, you know, licking their chops with a, a quarterback like that. But Evan, is there is there any hesitancy in that, too, that Nebraska might get too carried away with the deep <clears> ball and the shiny toy to go away from, you know, the run game that Matt Rule said he wants to, to dominate the fourth quarters? Uh, you know, when you have a guy like that, that makes your running game all the more respected, does it not? I mean, if you're, that was kind of the problem. One of the problems for Nebraska's offense last year was teams pretty much dared 
Nebraska to beat them through the air. So, you know, we're going to stack the box and, uh, you know, try to make a play over top of us. And if you do, great, but we're not counting on that. Um, you know, fans aren't the only people seeing what Dylan Rell is doing out in Hawaii. If you're a Big Ten defensive coordinator and you know the guy lining up against you this September or October can throw it 70 yards, um, maybe you're not quite so eager to put eight or nine in the box and, and bring your safeties down and things like that. So uh, I, I think just the mere threat of the deep ball can actually open up the run game. Um, you know, you, you look at some of his huddle film, I think we'll probably see this Friday night when he plays in the Polynesian Bowl. Uh, it's not like it's it's boom ball or Hail Mary time every time. It's I think you're going to see him uh, with an ability to put touch on balls. You're going to see him uh, be able to, to have depth to his, his throws. I've heard that from a couple of receivers that have had workouts with him. Is He's not just gunning it in there. I mean, he can hit you in the back shoulder, over the top. He can put some touch on it and do different things too. So um, the deep ball is certainly one of those tools. Uh, and ultimately, again, if you have a guy who's that versatile and who can pr- be, be proven to beat you through the air, I actually think that'll open up what Nebraska wants to do on the ground game. Now, if you're Marcus Satterfield and you see that, I think that's uh, maybe that's the question is like, do you kind of get a sweet tooth for that sort mm-hmm. of thing? Um, and maybe you want to go back to that instead of pounding the ball in the fourth. But, you know, if it gets to that point, that's probably a good problem to have if you're in Nebraska. That's definitely fair to say. The other aspect of Dylan Rowell's arm strength I want to touch on here is, yes, the deep ball that we just talked about. But Matt Rules mentioned this. I don't know if it, it's gone you know, as as noticed or as publicized. was just the ability to, you know, cut through the, the cold Big Ten temperatures, the wind, the precipitation that might be coming down. It seems like, you know, those third and seven pluses have felt like an adventure. And, you know, heaven forbid Nebraska be behind the sticks at like third and 14 and 15. It would feel like, you know, a miracle for Nebraska to convert some of those. But the best quarterbacks, Evan, I think, have those intermediate throws and those clutch throws in their bag. And that's where I think Dylan Raiola is not just arm strength, but touch is more than just the deep ball. Yeah, agreed. Uh, the spin, you hear that a lot. Just the, you have a tight spiral, you're able to uh, to cut through the elements and, you know, get it, get the ball where you want it to be. So I think, yeah, that that's important. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. You think about Matt Rule and, and he's done deep dives on like, how do you win at Nebraska versus say at Baylor or at Temple? And a big part of what he's talked about has been those elements and, and the wind in particular, like it gets cold in a lot of places and, you know, it, it can rain or wherever, but like most of the time you're going to see some funky wind inside Memorial stadium. You can look at the flags on top of the uprights and oftentimes they're swirling. You've, you've heard kickers, many kickers home and away over the years saying it's a difficult place to kick. And, and I think in some ways it, it, for that reason, it's a difficult place to pass the ball too. And you've seen instances where, uh, balls do kind of die in the wind or they get pushed downfield or there's sort of a cross breeze or whatever. Um, you know, Riola in a lot of ways is suited to be a quarterback at Nebraska because of all that, um, where the wind maybe does play less of a factor. And, 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 and overall, you still don't want to be throwing the ball 50 times a game. You want to pound the ground game and, and lean on the line of scrimmage and, and be that team. Um, but when you do pass it, uh, the most effective way to do it is to, to do it with a guy like Rayola with the, the arm strength that he has, the spin, the, the the accuracy and all the rest. So it'll be really fascinating to see how that translates to Nebraska and, and, and where they go from here. But it seems like he's got all the tools in the in the tool belt to come in and be effective pretty early. 
Let me ask you one special teams question too here before we let you go, Evan. Um, Dylan Rayola coming in as a, a true freshman quarterback seems like he'd be most people's bet to be the starter, but Tristan Alvano was the starting kicker for Nebraska last year. Strick and I were kind of talking about this, the differences between Nebraska and Iowa. Like we come back to special teams, right? Iowa's defense, one of the best in the country. Nebraska's much improved, both offenses, you know, in the mid 100s in a lot of rankings, but Iowa's special teams remained elite. When you look at Tristan Alvano and Brian Buschini, what are your expectations for them with another year under their belt at Nebraska? Uh, better, certainly. You know, I, I think Alvano, you could kind of see it toward the end where he was able to settle in and, and be what he can be. Um, I, I would expect him to have a pretty big second season as he settles into college life. And, and you know, there's really no obvious challenger to him on the roster. You know, Buschini, um like lives and breathes punting. Like you can bet that um, he was as disappointed as anybody in his overall numbers this past year. Like he, he uh, just loves it and, and dives into it and is a, tries to be a master of his craft. And so I don't, I don't um, have any question that he's going to put in the work this off season to be that guy moving forward. Um, but if it's not him, you know, uh, Sam Cook's son coming in, uh, as a walk-on is a fascinating prospect early on. So maybe having somebody else in that room to challenge Buscini can make a difference. And and for what it's worth, I mean, Buscini has been the guy since he's been at Nebraska that really hasn't been sort of that number two challenger for him. So, you know, it, it, specialists do tend to be spots where, um, you know, if, if guys have shown potential that they tend to build on that potential. And so I, I would imagine, again, they both have sort of the, the head spaces that you, that would suggest that they're going to be good. And I think that um, is, is something you look at with specialists more than most spots. You kind of liken it to golf, right? Like you want a, a golfer with a short memory and, and somebody who doesn't worry if they shank it once um, you're onto that next one. And I think that's something that in, in my talks with Alfano and Buscini, they both have is, uh, that short memory, the confidence in what they do, uh, they think about kind of their approach, but they don't overthink it. Um, and their personalities, I think, are both as such too, to where um, they enjoy it without maybe putting too much pressure on themselves. So I'm certainly not saying they're going to live up to what Iowa's done in special teams, but I do think as you look at Nebraska's rise, potential rise in the future, um, you know, everyone's going to point to that offense and 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 just what Nebraska can do if they're league average. But I think special teams too is another area where there's absolutely room for improvement. If you can, uh, you know, increase that uh, net punting average by three or four yards or increase that field goal accuracy by two or three more um, in a lot of close games, that can make a difference. So certainly an area uh, of potential growth for Nebraska. Okay. I lied one more. Isaiah Nayor, is he going to Trey Palmer his way out of return consideration? Do you think he can be a factor in punt and kick return? Yeah, I, I like uh, Trey Palmer as a verb. That's that's good. Um, maybe, yeah. I mean, he's he's got that speed. He uh, he was the big play receiver in college football a couple of years ago uh, at Wyoming. So yeah, I mean, if you're if you can be the guy who's busting loose for a long touchdown reception every game and and, and some other chunk gains here or there, then yeah, I think you you probably have earned yourself as sort of an exclusive uh, role on the offense there, but. Now, that's another area we talk about special teams, too, where, man, I mean, Nebraska just has not moved the needle at all in the return game, both punts or kickoffs 
um, for a long time since J.D. Spielman was here. I really, Dwayne Pearsonell. I mean, you're talking six years ago since they've really done anything of note in that phase of the game. So, um, you know, again, if Nebraska has more of the receiver depth that they think that they have now, and that maybe it appears that they do, then anybody you put back there that can be a spark in that phase of the game would hold a lot of value. But uh, my guess would be Nayor would come in and, if he feel like he, if he feels like he can make a difference in either of those spots, um, you know, settle in because uh, you know that kind of production would be welcome. Evan, as always, appreciate the time. Uh, stay warm. Talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. See ya. Evan joined us on our VIP line, brought to you by Allo Fiber, where they understand the importance of exceptional service with with with, with what local heart, local heart, like yeah. the Bellevue West product, Eric Strickland. That's what we got. Big shout out to Alla for sponsoring channel 961 now. So you can watch us in Eric Stricklandville, Bellevue. Sitting in here in the building. Ainsworth, Carter Nelsonville. All over. All over the state. All over the state. You're an Alla subscriber. Channel 961's for you. We'll take a break. Wrap up Hour 1 of On the Block in just a sec. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.